0: My name is Brady Dale. Welcome to Lightbulb Talks, the Twitter Spaces show that later shows up on the Spacecast Podcast Network, where we talk about different facets of crypto. Since my main interest is decentralized finance or DeFi, we tend to cover DeFi. The goal of these conversations is to um, illuminate something about the cryptocurrency space that gives folks light bulb moments you know i feel like so many people talk about going down the rabbit hole in crypto but my take is that it's really more of a a light bulb a moment when these things click that at least that was powerful for me when when like i first really grasped decentralization for example so that's kind of you know what we're going for here uh and uh I know I usually start these things off by sort of talking to you guys a little bit about something that's on my mind. Uh, I don't have a lot that's on my mind to talk about this week because um, I'm in the middle of moving and I'm not really sure (laughs) why I didn't take a break from Lightball dogs during that. It's a little nutty, Uh, but it's cool. It's worked out. Um, But, you know, I usually like to talk about an emotion and how it relates to DeFi. I don't really have that this week or tonight the only emotion I have is relief because I wasn't really sure if my lease for July 1st was good to go and I finally got it today and it's like, you know, June 24th or whatever. Uh, So that's the only emotion on my mind. Uh, Anyway, tonight we're going to talk about uh, decentralized autonomous organizations with three great people in the space. Um, This is one of those really kind of strange but potentially like maybe one of the ideas that will go the furthest. I mean people say that about everything, I guess, but it it really is. It's cool and it has a great history to it too. So we'll get into as much of that as we can. Um, so let me go ahead and, uh, and bring them to the table now. While we're waiting for uh, our speakers to file, file in, let me just introduce all of them really quickly. So we've got two folks here tonight um, from OpenLaw, which is a startup that came out of Brooklyn that uh, makes it easy to, to make smart contracts compatible with, um, with blockchain code, specifically Ethereum kind of you know, wraps them, makes those two worlds of, uh, of enforcement Talk together in a in a useful way, um, and then we also have um, we also have uh, Ilya Polish, I'm going to screw his name up, but um, Shukin from he's a co-founder of the Near Protocol, which is a different base layer protocol uh, that is uh, that is really fast and uh, and is really compatible with lots of languages. And um, and has, you know, move fast, to integrate nicely uh, with Ethereum, but is, is, you know, eager to, to do a lot of the things that are happening on Ethereum over on Near, you know, do them a little less expensively, a little more quickly, um, but also to innovate themselves and to enter into some new spaces. Um, all of these folks have done some cool stuff uh, with DAOs. And so we'll talk about that. But I also want to talk with them um, super broadly. So um, Aaron, why don't you go first? Is there anything you want to add uh, to, to what OpenLaw is or? who you are that I left out at the start.
1: Uh, No, thanks, Brady. Thanks so much for inviting me and Pri when she joins uh, to this uh, event, we really appreciate it. Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess the only other thing that we'd add about open law is that uh, for the past year and a couple months, we've really uh, focused and applied the technology to helping to build out some DAOs, including uh, the Lao, Flamingo DAO, um, Neptune DAO, uh we also just launched a new internet NFT based museum called Museo. So uh, kind of this ecosystem of, of Gaz is, is growing and growing pretty quick.
0: So cool. it's really great to be here. Yeah, yeah, you know, and those are the reasons I wanted to talk to you guys. But yeah, we'll talk about that more. And and um ah oh, good, we got pre okay. So um so Ilya, what about you? Anything you wanna add?
2: Yeah, uh same. Thanks for uh inviting me here. Great to be here. Um yeah, I think from our side we've been kind of always thinking how to organize communities, how to really give them tools to grow. And DAO has been like a really great tool from kind of conceptual perspective, but we haven't seen that really realized yet. And so we've been investing and in kind of exploring in uh, with this with our community. And I think we have like over 100 DAOs right now in the year. Oh, wow. Kind of powering different communities around the world cool So really
0: cool cool and then and aaron i i couldn't dm you beforehand uh so i wasn't able to say this to you but just leave your mic unlocked i just want i want you guys to be able to jump in as readily as possible i know that muting is a zoom thing but i don't think it's a twitter spaces thing so um all right priya what about you do you want to add anything else to uh your intro
3: yeah, sorry, I kind of missed the first part. My privacy settings did not allow for. Oh, but interesting. Cool. Fixed that. Yeah, cool. I didn't realize that. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, um, with Aaron, work on a project called Open Law, which has put together a few um, like for-profit DAOs. Uh, you know, the first one being the Lao, then Flamingo DAO, and then also uh, Neptune DAO, with like a few others coming. Through as well. Um, And as far as my role, I kind of just help with the general operations um, around some of these DAOs. So,
0: Um, okay, cool. So, what I'd like to do is um, let's talk about DAOs really broadly a little bit. I have a few, like, sort of big, broad questions I want to ask all of you. And then let's go into what you're all specifically working on. And then, do we have some time? I have some other random things I want to bring up. And then Uh, We'll invite other people to come on. Um, But before we do that, I just want to ask a little thing of the room. Um, So if you can see there's this little heart at the bottom of the app, if you're if you're listening on mobile, Um, if you could just hit any of the emojis, if you've ever done a Twitter spaces before, just to let us know. Um, You can see you can do these little like uh, fist things or whatever. Oh, so it looks like we have a bunch of noobs here. That's cool. All right, bringing people into the space. And uh, oh, cool. No, a lot more coming up now. Okay, great, 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 great. And one other thing I want to say too is for whatever reason, each time I do these, I always end up getting a bunch of questions um, in my my DMs, which I, I don't see them. A, because Twitter doesn't show me all my DMs, and B, I just can't really manage DMs during this. So if you have a question, just take note of it, and we'd really love to hear it at the end, because I feel like I've we've just missed a ton of perfectly good questions at the end of these that folks have DMed me and I didn't see until like the next morning. So uh, you know, <laughs> just don't hesitate to hop on, even if it's just quick. It's probably a great question. Um, okay, cool. So um, I guess since each of you are in the process of advancing DAOs right now, let's start with this question. You know, when you're talking to folks who aren't really crypto-native, or maybe they're even kind of crypto-native, you know, they've got some Bitcoin or whatever, they've got some ETH, um, what's the hardest thing for them to wrap their heads around about this idea of a decentralized, autonomous organization? Whoever wants to start with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. You know, I I think the hardest part is, in many ways, um, recognizing that for most as as they are today, and, you know, there's some definition. T- definitional issues around us it's uh, operating in an organization that doesn't have any fixed or firm leadership, at least off the bat.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so it takes some time, I think, for folks to uh, kind of wrap their heads around that. I think we've been trained um, in many ways to expect to have like a solid uh, either person or groups of persons that are in control. And that's a bit different. And that, I think, if you can get over that hurdle and if you can steward a community that actually is headless or leaderless is where the magic, I think, begins to unfold and manifest.
2: So I, I actually use it for people who are not familiar with crypto. The definition I use is is this is a Facebook group with uh, pretty much money. <laughs> that's and great. That's really way, good. Yeah. <laughs> this way I was actually, kind of people can wrap around their head. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's funny. Actually, Aaron has used this previously. I, I would say actually the first thing that I, I feel like is maybe confusing or mysterious is like this, even this acronym DAO, like DAO, decentralized autonomous organization always like sounds a little bit more cryptic than it actually is. But Aaron, I think I said this previously and I really like it and it's like very similar to what you're saying. Um, It's like a Reddit subreddit community or like a discord community with a bank account and like governance applied to it. Like it's very simply just that. Um, So Mm.
0: Were any of you around, you know, there was a little bit of an evolution in the concepts because, you know, the guy who's credited with coming up with this idea is Dan Larimer, you know, co-founder of Steam and that one thing and EOS, um, but he articulated it, I think, in like... Bitcoin Magazine or something. I've, I've found this essay seven thousand times, but I can't ever remember where it is. Um, but he originally called it a decentralized autonomous corporation, and it, and I feel like it's much. And then Ethereum has really been the world that they've taken off, and I feel like organization is much more Ethereum language than corporation. But was there anything? Do, do any of you know? Was there anything more to it than that?
1: Yeah, I think it was a generalization, right? So, uh, yeah, Brady, you're absolutely right. Dan Larimer of EOS and Steam fame, he kind of. Uh, began to think about different use cases for Bitcoin. And around the time, there was this notion that you could represent, uh, you know, Bitcoin or parcels of of Bitcoin as colored coins, representing them as other interests. And that concept was kicking around, and he began to think about how you could model out a cap table in some capacity uh, using colored coins and kind of coined, uh, pun intended, you know, this concept of decentralized autonomous corporation. Mm -hmm. And then it kicked around, you know, Bitcoin Talk, Bitcoin Magazine, a bunch of different folks began to kind of kick around this concept. And Vitalik uh, generalized it and memorialized that generalization, you know, in the Ethereum white paper. And that's kind of where it took root. Uh, and then we obviously had this first great experiment with, with uh, the DAO itself, um, which was a spectacular failure, uh, but I think really started to to point this notion of using a blockchain not just to move around money, which is awesome or something that's akin to money, but beginning to get people to work together and to deploy uh, capital in a m- much more collaborative way. Um, and it took a couple of years after the DAO for us to kind of shake off PTS DAO, um, <laughs> but, but because of innovations in smart contract uh, development including the Malik DAO uh, smart contracts and um, the Malik DAO V2 smart contracts, which Ross, who I see is listening, uh, helped work on. So thanks for all the help there, uh, Ross. Um, we've been able to kind of begin to to see uh, the use cases and technology begin to emerge. So I think the timing is kind of right now. Uh, but the evolution really did start from Dan, and it, I think, and I imagine over the next you know two, five, ten years, it's going to continue to expand in its scope and use cases, and and eventually we may actually get to a, a, a code based DAO, you know, something that's a little bit more algorithmic. But we're not there yet.
0: So we we talked about the DAO a lot on my show and i don't know how many folks are on here now we're on the one on tuesday um but you know maybe some of the folks who are on the podcast will will listen to that there's kind of some more people who listen to that than than come on live um, and it, it, i didn't ex- expect that to be a topic that came up but i just think it's if for folks who hear both it's just sort of worth bridging it you know we i well aaron you might know this fellow because he's kind of in, in your world but patrick Merck was on he used to work for the bitcoin foundation and he he was pretty uh he was uh, did not have a great view of the DAO. And he advanced a view that I honestly, like I covered it at the time, but I didn't really remember really a lot of people saying, but he really felt like there was a good chance the Dow was planned to fail all along, um, that he, he didn't really think it was a well-intentioned thing, which I don't remember that. I sort of remember it, the view at the time being it just, they screwed up. But I don't know, for anyone on, does anyone have any take on that or any reason to believe that that might have been true, just since we talked about that so much last time?
1: I I would be surprised. I mean, I remember I remember Christoph um, and some of the other folks in the Slocket team that put together uh, that, you know, were at uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin meetups uh, in New York and other parts of the globe that were really animated by this concept of how to do this. Right. This was something that was in the Ethereum white paper. People have been geeked out on DAOs literally since Dan Larimer wrote that article that we talked about before. Um, I just think the technology and the code wasn't there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've learned, we've learned a lot about how to write more secure smart contracts, uh, the tooling around Ethereum in particular and other, uh, other blockchains like near and other, um, you know, other, uh, blockchains like layer twos that we're beginning to see side chains, it's enhanced considerably. So I-, I think now we're able to begin to experiment with this conceptual concept that's been kicking around for, you know, frankly, almost like a decade. Right. Yeah. Um, that and, squares and, with and, my
0: intuition too. I mean, I, I just yeah. Slocat was a company that had a real vision. They were hoping these guys would fund them. You know, then they later got hired. by I can't remember who. But they got Aqua hired elsewhere. I I, I don't know. I just, but I was curious if you had a take on that. Um, well, so okay, so I think so, Go ahead. You
2: just add like one side. What like the other? I mean, I, I don't. I'm sure that people were well intentioned, but I think like generally the approach that, and like this is what we've learned through many iterations of DAOs now. Is like the approach of kind of everybody voting, everybody like kind of having a uh, participation. It's just it, it's not a, like it's not the workable approach. You still need some organization, right? Like mm-hmm. Even though we want we, we want kind of full community participation. And that's that's what's exciting. That's what was in like Vitalik's white paper. But uh, at the end, you, you still need some community leaders. You still need some shepherding. You still need some, uh, like, kind of, almost like civil resistance and, and all those things.
0: When and you also I you need that- you need like some kind of vision, right? I mean, the DAO was just the DAO. It was just like I don't know. We'll gather up a bunch of money and then we'll do like we don't we don't really know, right? Whereas whereas now I think. <laughs> we're seeing two kinds of DAOs right now, right? We're seeing, and this comes with another question I wanted to ask you guys, and I'll, let me kick this one to Pre in a second, but but we yeah. sort of see the ones you guys are starting, and we'll hold off on that, like, you know, Flamingo and Lao, which are, like, started as DAOs and have an intention and a mission. But then what we're also seeing, and, like, let's start with Pre on this, but I want to hear other folks take, too. We're seeing a bunch of companies that already existed in the sort of pre- Gigantic DAO wave that are becoming DAOs. You know, like Synthetics, for example, is a good example of this. They didn't originate intending to be a DAO, but they are pretty much evolving entirely to a DAO. That you know, the the synthetic um, marketplace uh, that was uh, that was founded by Kane Warwick. You know, why do you guys think and uh, why do you think we're starting? Why why do we think we're seeing so many of these companies turn to the DAO structure right now?
3: I mean, I guess it's maybe a simple answer, but my take on that is that it's just native to Web3. I mean, like to the earlier conversation, this notion of having organized uh, members from all over the world coordinate with like black uh, blockchain and, and smart contracts on the on the back end, make decisions as a community is kind of in some regards, like in the open source ethos anyway and so like when you're building out a technology or a protocol i think you know that was probably sitting in the back of many of these people's minds anyways like some point at some point kind of giving it to the community and no longer necessarily having like a centralized approach i mean i think that's sort of the ethos of the tech um what people are building and um you know my feeling is there, that there was probably some intent all along to kind of move in that direction
2: yeah, yeah, I agree that this is probably the main reason, but there's also a collateral reason which is regulatory constraints that are kind of coming more and more on financial operations mm-hmm. across the world. I think that's and important, yeah. Transitioning to DAOs is kind of almost like st- we, we we leave the physical space to, you know, stay in this digital space we're building kind of completely including the governance including the voting and including kind of decision-making versus like if you still have ties to the physical world kind of through the governance, you kind of need to now comply one way or another with the regulations of that physical place that like your foundation is or whatever. Like M- MakerDAO actually had like finally, I think, transitioned to the DAO mm-hmm. over past year and and kind of now, now, now that, yeah, technology is there, they... They have the communities. They've proven that decision making can happen by the community. They they can actually like transition off and and feel way more relaxed around kind of that, you know. Yeah, totally. The tools they build may or may not violate the kind of like cross some boundaries in some jurisdictions that you know, whereas jurisdictions are constantly changing the boundaries all the time and are unknown. So.
0: Yeah, Aaron, you're yeah. the lawyer. Are these things more safe as DAOs? These weird internet projects?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think uh, time will tell, but I completely, I completely agree with Pre and also uh, Ilya on the two points. You know, I, I I'm a little bit more optimistic about it. I really do believe that having open protocols that are managed by a community will be in the long run more stable. Uh, I think they'll engender more trust, and I think that they'll function better. Uh, than existing financial services. Uh, I do think if we you know, take an analogy, something like JP Morgan or like a very large bank, if that actually had a wide variety of users, stakeholders, investors, a whole host of people that were able to weigh in directly on governance of how a bank like that would operate or some of the services within the bank operated, I, I think in the long run it would be healthy. Um And I, I think that that's probably the main reason if you really push came to shove with synthetics or some of these other, other projects, they, they do believe that. And then those ancillary um, reasons, like maybe this helps uh, from a regulatory vantage point, given at least the approach that the U.S. has taken around this notion of, you know, having a sufficiently decentralized network uh, right. will take hold.
0: Aaron, I don't know if you spotted this, but, you know, you spoke at Consensus in a panel about DAOs that, um, that pre-led the, the, moderated, and uh, you had a quote about, you um, DAOs reflecting the swarm like structure of the Internet that I used in a story I wrote a little about later about how some DAOs were planning ahead for um, dark days of a a crypto winter if it happened and kind of, you know, diversifying their portfolios. But I thought that was a really um, great conceptualization that this is about um, an organizational structure that works like the Internet works.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's fundamentally it, right? I, I do think, you know, that why people are so animated about DAOs is they instinctively or intuitively feel that uh, there's group activity that occurs online that's uh, that's less hierarchical than what we're used to if you are working or part of or own a corporation or some other form of legal entity. And I think that there's growing skepticism and justifiably so around experts and their ability to kind of steward and make the best decisions And I I think that was really kind of capture those two threads and they're able to harness this kind of uh, less hierarchical structure and activity online. uh, Like Ilya mentioned before uh, and pre-mentioned, you know, by putting basically a bank account underneath it and rules. So instead of just seeing like mobs on Twitter where they're taking somebody down for something that they say, you can actually have productive uses, right? Because you're kind of all aligned financially, uh, maybe you're trying to work towards something, whether that's making a profit, whether that's building an open source, you know, financial protocol, whether that's, you know, b- building something together in, in some of these uh, emerging services DAOs that we're seeing, and or crater DAOs, which are also equally fascinating. So I, I think it's net positive. I mean, I'm hoping that we can evolve the internet so that it's not just all, you know, shit posting and and mobs well and on something better
0: and on that point aaron and this will be my last journal question then we'll start talking about you guys specific projects uh, because i do want to do that but my last general question is you know a lot of folks compare um crypto right now to kind of the web in the early or late 90s right and i am old enough quite easily sadly to remember that time well in which it was all halcyon days and utopia and it was going to be you know lovely conversation forever um, and now we have kind of the, you know, a little bit of the dystopian internet we have now, you know, what's to stop, you know, and I feel like right now in crypto, we feel pretty good about things. Obviously, there's some weird stuff that happens. But like, you know, we, we have this sort of utopian views, everyone's getting along, all these new organizations are starting, they're working pretty well, you know, people are singing kumbaya. Um, but like, what's to stop, you know, all these money and resources moving online, and then um, hordes forming and the hordes actually having like, you know, real assets to be terrible with, you know, somewhere down the line. Oh, I
1: think that's I think that's completely gonna happen. Okay. I think it's gonna be Yeah. <laughs> I mean we we also will see a
2: lot more politics going forward. I think that's actually that that's the thing that people in crypto are not all, all understanding is that the world where yeah you think Kumbaya is probably only like for next couple of years and then it'll be politic political wars. Postal
3: takeovers resources.
1: and <laughs> like activist <laughs> nice DAOs, yeah, yeah, DAO wars. But yeah. I, you know, I I love the <clears throat> subreddit or Facebook analogy um because I think you can imagine, you know, more productive use cases uh, of DAOs. Like we have great subreddits that people entertain, but you know, it's not that far off from something like a four chan or eight that has a bank account too, right?
4: Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm.
1: And, and that—that's either super exciting or incredibly terrifying, to print, depending on your perspective, right? I may find that pretty interesting, uh, at least some of that. Uh, but other folks may find that, you know, to be a real dystopian future. Okay. Well, I, I, from my perspective, actually, I mean,
2: it's kind of—it's you know, we, we got the we got a tool, and then we need to figure out how to use the tool, right? The—the the benefit that we have is that we can kind of harness power of. Many people in in a constructive way, and so the same way that you know people can harness it in a destructive way, you can use it to mo- you know to moder to create a moderated list of things that, for example, you know not, not allow like for example, you can subscribe to a DAO that moderates internet for you, right? And like instead of you know subscribing to Facebook moderating, you're subscribing to a community that you know is aligned with your values. And now you only see things or you'll see, this, you know, things that they, you don't see the things that they filtered out, right?
0: Yeah. man. on that, so I, I really want to see a DAO, yeah. like a, a, uh, an editorial DAO where there's like people who have votes in the DAO and anyone can submit like stories to it and the DAO votes like which ones get posted. I feel like that would be really cool. Um, so I <laughs> well, want to move to cool. you guys' specific projects, but let me just do another quick uh, poll of the room um give me a um give me a peace sign emoji if you if you've participated held tokens in whatever any kind of ethereum DAO and give us a wave if you've done any of the near DAOs and then i guess give us the laughy face if you've done both so uh let's just see a little all right seeing some ethereum here seeing some ethereum i thought we get some a lot of near activity on the twitter's i thought we'd see some of that all right mostly ethereum so far all right cool cool um okay so um Let's start, uh, Pre or Aaron, whichever one of you wants to start off on this. Um, I feel like your first DAO was the Lao, um, the Lao DAO. Um, so, what? Give us the give us the quick origin story for that, and kind of like what it is, and kind of and where you're at today. Sure.
3: sure. want to kick that
1: off? Yeah,
3: sure. Um, so, I think you know, on Open Law, we've been building up this as you kind of kicked off in your intro this this legal protocol layer that wraps smart contracts with readable agreements and you know obviously tying to that and, and really what a corporation or company really is is just a uh you know a sequence of agreements and so um you know tied to some sort of organization so just thinking about that I think you know the work that Aragon and and others have done in the DAO space was always in the back um of the team's mind always super interesting and so you know, there was obviously the DAO that happened, and and we didn't see much coming from the DAO ecosystem. I mean, not at the scale that we're seeing right now, of course. And then, um, uh, Moloch, the Moloch smart contracts came into being. I think that was like, I want to say like February, March, maybe April of 2019
0: and Um, and malik was a DAO that was just sort of trying to fund good things on ethereum right yeah it was a grant yeah yeah uh uh,
3: and so yeah i mean it it, it was done by means super awesome and and so thought that was pretty interesting kind of like the conversation around DAOs started heating up again you know we we were thinking about it as well um and uh ross and, and aaron both here were thinking about that um and you know eventually um we thought it'd be kind of interesting as a team to recreate that vision of the original DAO. this idea of pulling capital together and not only giving out grants, but investing as a community, similar to the vision of the original DAO. And, um, you know, in order to do that, just, um, extended, help extend with, with like everyone else on, 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 the Moloch smart contracts and a V2, uh, put a legal wrapper around that, um, created a DAP. Uh, and and really just kind of opened it up so it was it was this it was like a confluence of things, like both just being on the legal side and having legal argument acumen as a team, but also the the smart contracts and the technology really you know being back um and and as Aaron mentioned before, like the p t s DAO kind of subsiding a bit
4: mm-hmm.
3: um so worked on that and and launched um you know right after that pretty insane. Uh, COVID drop in Ethereum in like March of 2020 and mm-hmm. that's really like where where the loud began. Um, it, it was sort of quiet at first. We had like a bunch of capital that came in over like a six month period but because it was sort of the first of its kind at the time like I think people were kind of uh, waiting and, and seeing you know how things would develop and and so a lot of people just eventually joined over like a multi-month period.
0: Yeah, I, I was looking at you guys' investment page today, and like um, a lot of the your investments aren't disclosed yet. But of the ones that are, I mean, it's definitely if you've been paying close to attention, you guys have been in the mix of, you know, projects you would have read about, you know, on CoinDesk and the block, you know, I mean, like, um, you know, notable, interesting projects. So that was interesting to see.
3: Yeah, and like the, the community of members in the LAO right now are, are, is really just a, an amazing mix. I mean, some of them are uh, protocol founder operator types there's a couple you know people who are active in either venture capital funds whether being partners or or being or the fund itself um, there's also just a lot of people like you know people from the ETH foundation people who were early on in the ethereum community um, and have supported projects over the past several years and other are like lps at different protocols or protocol politicians and they're just like truly engaged um individuals which which makes sense so it's it's been a pretty amazing community and like we recently have just been getting all these pictures of a bunch of uh, uh members you know meeting up in in europe and it's it's been like pretty incredible to see like oh. all these new connections be made
0: that's cool people are yeah. hanging out and really quickly yeah. what do you guys mean by this legal rapper i mean i sort of think i can intuitively guess it but it i don't know yeah What's yeah sure
1: yes yeah, sh- yeah sure and it's great to see whom on and the- call two, and and Ross as well, who both were exploring this uh, before he launched the Uh, But, you know, the DAO itself had a couple lessons on the regulatory side. One is uh, there was questions about what interests in DAOs were. And secondarily, there was lots of conversations about what happens when things go sideways, who's going to be responsible inside of a DAO. And one solution uh, that's kicked around the Ethereum ecosystem for quite some time was to wrap it in a limited liability company of some sort and that can solve some of those issues. And that will enable not just uh, individuals to begin to participate in DAOs, but broader, larger organizations as well. Um, and that's what we launched with, uh, with the LAO. Um, you know, we, we figured out a way to, to kind of thread uh, the needle and, and create some real world binding uh, to these smart contract based systems. And that, you know, that gives some folks comfort, uh, that gives them the ability to participate. And that's created this hive mind that, um, that Priya was talking about before and it's worked really well. Uh, you know, we, 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 I think, you know, to our credit, um, we didn't know it at the time, but we were really deep into NFTs before lots of very prominent crypto venture capital funds were. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were the first check to back as an example, and our NFT portfolio is probably one of the strongest in the ecosystem. And that led to the birth of Flamingo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, you know, providing that comfort, uh, creating that real world backing, Uh, is helpful, and it's enabled kind of this fertile ground of uh, a really interesting mix of folks to get together, work uh, productively and collaboratively, and really begin to kind of map out opportunities in the ETH ecosystem in particular, and you know, frankly, faster than these top-down hierarchical G P L P venture capital structures that we see today.
0: Yeah, and so I, I want to get over to Nir in just a second. But before I do that, just your comments there remind me of a, a small controversy that was taking place over the last week. Um, and I'm going to probably get the details in this a little bit wrong. But you know, there's I think it was there's an attorney in the in the Curve community, and for folks who don't know, Curve is this very influential. Autonomous, uh, autonomous market maker. It's very good at trading coins that are worth basically the same value all the time. Which you would think, why would anyone want to trade those? It turns out a lot of people want to trade them a lot, um, and they and they've innovated in other ways since then too. But Curve is you know really inter- influential in the space, and and a lot of people have sort of knocked off what they're doing, which is, you know, one would argue the nature of this space. It's all it's all open source and and curve doesn't shy away from that either. Um, but this one attorney sort of argued that, you know, it's gotten bad enough that that the Curve DAO should start considering legal action, and you know Robert Leshner, who's a you know a big leader in the space, um, and who was one of the first to do what I talked about earlier—to take a company that was sort of an, a normal company and sort of turn his protocol over to a DAO-like structure um, with with the release of the COMP token—was just like, look, if you want to. Solve problems in court. There's a place for that, and that's finance. But if you want to, you know, be in DeFi and be in DeFi and don't do it that way. You know, you guys are running DAOs of your own. Um, what's your stance on it? On a debate like that, I mean, you know, should these entities be going to the courts to solve problems? I mean, I sort of assume what you were saying, Aaron, is more about protecting people who are in it. But should they be playing offense as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't have a firm view on that. I'd say I think that the that DAOs over time will become more and more important. Um, you know, just to give an example, you know, with the, the network of DAOs that we've created, it's gone from $0 in capital to over $100 million in less than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that continues to grow at an exponential rate over the next X number of years. And we're not alone, right? There's other folks that are experimenting with this, et cetera. Um, and at some point, this, these structures are going to become really big. There's going to be household names uh, that are formed as DAVs. Um And at some point, they're going to have to interact with these legacy institutions and systems. And, you know, courts uh, are great ways to administer problems, and organizations have problems all the time. I'm hoping, and that's why I love the work that Aragon did here, and we did this on OpenLaw. some early examples of this, you know, using smart contract-based systems to do online uh, courts. And I hope we get to that point, but we're not there yet. And um, so while I kind of agree in sentiment with, with Rob, I, I'd say it it feels like um, it, it may just kind of avoid the fact that crypto is going to become really, really big and mm-hmm. really, really important. And we're, we kind of have to grapple with the real world when that happens. Um, and I think that these types of disputes are going to be inevitable.
0: So just one thing to insert there, because it's come up a few times, if anyone doesn't know, Aragon uh, was an early Ethereum project, it's still around, but I I think uh, that sort of was pioneering sort of governance structures. Um, Ilya and Pree, anything you want to add on this question of like DAOs playing offense? I
2: mean, in general, we'll see more like offense in in a way where like, you can actually shift community opinion, or you can, you know, deploy money to do things. Like I think that kind of offense will happen definitely more.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: I think like le- legal offense is probably harder. I mean, like I am, I am with Robin this said. Like, we're in kind of in decentralized thing is like, like if people launch anonymously, you cannot even actually like do a legal action if right. it's, if it's a DAO that is operating something. There's like not clearly how to do action. but we also are in, in in this decentralized world where we can you know buy out all the shares or we can you know create a community rave or anything like that that actually you know affects uh, the other thing and I I expect to see some of the stuff happening more and more
0: if any of you guys ever see a hostile takeover happening in crypto, you've like you've got to tell me. I mean, you have to day or night. Like I just I have been I have been waiting for that since 2017. Um, anyway, I mean, it, it,
2: somebody used flash uh, flash loan once to pretty much take over the take over the Dow. Like they just borrowed a bunch of tokens. Which one? Voted a new. I forgot. I can look it up. But oh, they man. just voted new contract and just stole all the money from the from the Dow. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's wild. I'm more thinking like a like um, you know, if Filecoin just like bought all the tokens of um what's that other Sia. If that's like the kind you know, something a little bit more formal, but um yeah. that would be so amazing.
1: Okay, it's time to commit. Twenty twenty four is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at home impression kit today for only fourteen ninety-five at Byte.com.
0: So Ilya, you're you got you're starting um, uh, uh, Sputnik, which is a DAO of DAOs. Um, you guys haven't put out a lot about this yet. I I sort of read over what I could so far uh, tonight, but um, you know, you said there's a bunch of DAOs already on near. It sounds like you want to help the DAOs coordinate. So what's the what's the idea of Sputnik?
2: Yeah, so um, it started actually from the kind of thinking to the governance of the layer one, because I mean that's kind of what I'm mostly working on. Mm-hmm and the, my, my approach to anything is you know test test first with like with as little money and as little effort as possible and then if it works you know add more add more money add more work and kind of iterate and so where like some, some of the blockchains i know launch with kind of governance included like on-chain governance and, and that's very scary because you know you have a ton of money you have ton of kind of people rely on it you have you know protocol to run and so We've taken a more iterative approach where the kind of the final vision we, we see is that you have a repre- representative structure, oh. uh, which is one one or another will become like DAO of DAOs, right? So you have some representation of Dow Congress. people. DAO Congress. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you still have some executive power because I believe that like... Just kind of community voting is not gonna actually do stuff. like you do need somebody who is you know making decisions day to day who is actually like pushing things forward and, and you have kind of Congress or this representative to like pass the bills you know to do the laws and, and to and to kind of oversee the executive branch. And I mean the like court is probably the missing piece which yeah I d- still not figured out. I mean Aragon definitely is interesting to see how that will play out. But uh, that that's, I think like, you know, we should learn from existing political structures as much as possible,
1: given.
0: I just want to hear Priya and Aaron react to this. Uh, that's what I yeah, want. I mean,
1: yeah, it's interesting. I would say we take a slightly different approach. I think I completely agree, Ilya, that we should learn from existing political structures. But as somebody that has lived their life through uh, and with political structures that don't seem to work, I really hope that that Dow's... Uh, represent a fertile ground to ex- experiment with new forms of governance. Um, I'd say the one thing that uh, I'm particularly proud of, and I don't know if you are too, Pri, but there, there are no real leaders in the Lao and Flamingo. It operates a lot like the internet um, by rough consensus. So th- it's kind of the beauty of the Malik uh, smart contract design and Amin and James and others and Ross and others that worked on it. Um, you know, the, the concept at its core is Folks that are paying attention at any one point in time, uh, they vote. And if folks that are paying attention uh, want to move forward with something, they vote yes, and there's less no votes, uh, then the capital is committed. Um, so you don't need as as strong of a hierarchical um, uh, structure in order to push things forward. Uh, a little bit like the Internet, right? You don't need everybody to weigh in um, to have... Firm consensus on something, or even a blockchain for that matter, in order for you know a transaction to get appended to it, or or some action to occur. And so I so, think that that's that's important and can and can work pretty well. Um, I know folks are really interested in this notion of protocol politicians and like adding hierarchy on top of it. And you know, to some degree, I'm uh, keenly paying attention to that. But I wonder if it's almost like you know what we did in Web One, where we looked to you know previous structures. Uh, previous organizations like the Yellow Pages and just tried to bring them online. Uh, I think we have a really unique, you know, once in a several hundred-year opportunity to relook at these structures and hopefully come up with things that are that are heck of a lot better.
2: So I'm I'm with you, and but I think it depends on the problem you're trying to solve. And so th- this is where kind of the DAO of DAOs idea is like it doesn't mean that every DAO is the same, right? So you can not have DAOs which are, for example. Fund allocators, which work by rough consensus, but if you're if you're doing a something that's you know focused on developer experience, you do need a very kind of clear vision that drives uh, uh, kind of development. Like you cannot have a rough consensus around around, uh, for example, developer architecture, like architecture of systems, and you can, in, in, and we know that because you know we've seen Linux develop, we've seen you know even Moloch, uh contract developer, right? there's, there's always somebody who's driving architecture at the end, even though a lot of people are contributing. So you you kind of need different types of DAOs and different types of, I call it policies, where, where how exactly decisions are made. And so that's what we've been building with Sputnik is actually allowing you to program pretty much different types of like kind of decision-making structures via configuration. You can, you know, specify just a rough consensus of majority. You can specify you know, a token-voted weight, or you can specify multiple levels of decision-making, uh, permissions, which like who can add proposals, uh, what types of proposals, and stuff like this. So you, for example, if you're doing a protocol upgrades, you probably don't want the token-voted weighted, token weighted protocol upgrades. You wanna allow only some set of developers to do it, which is the same as GitHub does, but then you still can have an oversee committee from token holders who are, uh, you know, making sure that developers are not, you know, going astray, and voting on actually accepting that. So, call. so, so, so it's developers. really it's about
0: uh, best practices for development in near sort of the core idea for the the code practices, right? Is that what I'm hearing? No, no
2: what I'm what I mean is like there's a lot of different use cases for the DAO. Like investment is just a like for for DAOs, investment mm-hmm. is just one of the sides of mm-hmm. those things. There's you know. With protocol governance, like how do you, for example, you have Uniswap and you want to hot upgrade the Uniswap contract. Well, Hayden said you cannot do it, right? Balancer said they will do it. Uh, you know, the synthetic said you will vote with the token, right? So there's, but this is all like de- the decision of the team. Well, actually, it should be decision of the community, but there's a lot of like kind of ways you can configure it. Hmm. Similar thing. You can you want to give out grants, right? There's Uniswap grants, there's this grants, there's that grants. Well, again, like the decision making is very different. Like, how do we configure it? And so, like, what we've built is kind of a framework so you can configure any of these options. The way people use it now is, you know, per their problem, setting up a DAO that will, you know, fit their needs. Huh.
4: Uh,
3: I think that's fair. I, I think that's completely fair. I mean, every DAO is going to have like a different objective right? and different decision-making based on what the purpose of the DAO is like for investment, for, for example, it's a little bit different. And, and actually we're seeing glimmers of that in Flamingo as well. Um, so, you know, Flamingo and is, for those of you who aren't familiar here, is a DAO um, that operates like an NFT collective. So, you know, members come together, pull their capital and, and purchase different NFTs NFTs, you know, loosely and broadly are defined as digital properties. So there's like several different buckets of NFTs that exist. Um, You know, there's a few, I would say that Flamingo is specifically focused on, um, like the first being digital art, the second being collectibles, the third being like metaverse land, uh, last being like gaming. And actually, I would say five, like there's like also investments. Um, They make, you know, underlying infrastructure investments, too. Um, But I think what like a lot of the members found is that it was just like there was expertise in in certain buckets, Um, like some people were more into the curation of digital art. And so what we're seeing and like what we're implementing within that community, uh, and this was like a governance proposal passed by the members, is um, what we're kind of describing as streams. Uh, But basically, you can kind of have like these subcommittees or groups of people who are experts in that and like the members can weigh in but they um at the end of the day like they, they'll share exactly like what digital art for example they they like and and members can weigh in by rough consensus just through discord and decisions can be made much quickly much more quickly and and i think some of those like subcommittee streams like little pods i guess you could say are going to come up from from some of these too just based on the objectives Um, of the community and and how to move quickly Uh, because when you talk about you know 100 200 300 people like you you have to move with some agility and and I think some of these things will just arise organically.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I liked what Aaron said about that, where he was just like, some of the votes are like, if you missed the vote, you just missed the vote. We got to, We got to keep moving. That was interesting. Man, my brain is firing in so many directions on this. Um, but I, I do want to say if, if folks, uh, want to request to speak, um, I don't care if it's a question or a comment, just, you know, keep it brief. Um, but, um, you know, just request to speak now and, uh, I'll bring you on. Um, while we wait for – we had a request earlier, but it looks like it's gone now. While we wait for that, this, this, this show has a little bit of a side quest. I keep meaning to do this on every episode, and I've forgotten until now. So really quick question. The answer from all of you can just be no. Um, but the side quest of the Lightbulb Talks podcast is I want to find out – who the CEO of the useless Ethereum token was. This was a guy during the ICO boom who did an ICO where he was like, I'm gonna take your money and leave, and I'm gonna buy a Porsche with it. Um, and it was brilliant, and he raised like $64,000. Do any of you know who the UET CEO was?
1: I don't, but I would say, and uh, you know, if the DAO existed, and if it actually didn't uh, fail, projects like that probably would not have passed through the DAO's filter. So maybe, maybe, and this I thought was a great point. Ryan Zer actually made it um, at the, like a web three summit in Berlin in like 2019, but he made a great argument that if we had the DAO itself, the ICO boom from 2016 to 18 probably would have looked a lot different and the quality of projects probably would have been a lot higher. And I thought that was a really interesting point.
0: You know, my hottest of hot takes on DAOs is um, at that time, Ethereum wasn't; it didn't really need the DAO yet, and that in fact Ethereum was itself the DAO, and the ICO boom was was its activity. You know, when it was it was smaller than that. Is that is my hot take? Um, but I actually do think they were roughly contemporaneous. Well, if anyone listening has any clues about who the UET CEO is, that is my quest in life to find <laughs> him um i don't i don't see any requests yet um that was one of my favorite stories i wrote during that time and i, I want to shake his hand i don't have to report who he is to the world i just need to know um i want to go back to things hey, yeah
3: okay, you or, have you seen the q on doc where they like look for q no this is your request. this is your
1: q brady yeah
0: he's, he's my q <laughs> we were in touch i mean we emailed all the time when it was happening but he just wouldn't tell me who he was um
1: or or did you email him that's the question. I was him. It was him.
0: I mean, uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was him. But um, or it, was, it was his team. It was, you know what? It was Satoshi. Anyway, um, I want to, while we wait for other folks to come on, and we're going to wrap this up in like 10 minutes, but I, I pre in your last comments, you touched on a thing I did want to ask you guys about. Um, well, I guess the two sides of it is just, well, let's start with the first side is, um, yeah, what's it like? How do these, because you guys have started at least, well, you started a few now, What's the story of these you know discord communities and whatever forms they all talk on a day to day basis? how does How does culture form, and what does that look like? and and how does it look differently from group to group? and how does how you start it? You know, I'm just curious about culture. I'm just curious about culture. Um, so pre, you already are on that. So if you want to start it and then others can jump in, that'd be great.
3: yeah, it's, it's I mean it's interesting. I think every DAO probably has its own culture and and you know vibe and feel. Um, you know, when we launched these, uh, you know, we kind of just were like, you know, as long as you're accredited and, and you know, can, yeah you know, whatever, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your view of that um, regulation. But, you know, it, as long as you kind of meet this criteria, you can join. So it was very like first come, first serve, whatever. So a lot of people, I mean, there were some people who didn't know anyone else and they just met and it was like kind of a random group of people. I would say the culture maybe takes like a month or two to really gel okay. like Flimingo took like a solid two months i don't even think they like bought an nft for like six weeks um and so culturally i mean i would describe both as it's sort of weird i mean i think they're both like pretty uh, i mean everyone is very very smart and plugged in and very online as if you can define that as a cultural you know uh characteristic but um yeah i mean nice polite i mean you know i guess there's only been one situation where uh the members came together to rage kick someone um from one of the DAOs. and
0: (laughs) but what about like i don't know just like inside jokes or just sort of like ways sort of shortcuts to dealing with certain i don't know is there is there like little quirks that they form
3: yeah yeah they definitely do and we also have like weekly calls uh, okay people actually like hear each other's voices they talk to projects together so it's not like You know, completely anon. There's some people that started out with like an anon avatar or a username, and then eventually like added themselves six months later, just because they're like, whatever. You guys are my friends now, Um, and so yeah. I mean, I don't know, Aaron. I don't know if you have anything to add there as far as like inside jokes. I mean, they definitely
0: or just whatever. I don't know. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. There's definitely like a, a. uh, like uh, especially like you'll see it carried onto Twitter too with some of the members just kinda like trolling each other and like some of them are really good at memeing each other. Um, so there's definitely a little bit of that as well.
1: Yeah, I mean I, mean, I would I would say the approach we've taken is very organic. Uh, so it's just developing um, you know, slowly over time. I think I think, you know, and I feel like most people live this, right? When you're part of an online group or you meet some folks online, most people are, are pretty good. Uh, they're, they're decent folks. And that's the really wonderful thing about uh, the dads we put together. There's just amazing people. To the uh, the synonymous person, uh, I won't add him, but there's one synonymous person. He is literally an oracle. Like he has made so many great calls uh, and you know, spotted opportunities before other folks have. You would never know who he is you know he's a very very minimal uh online presence but he's a super forecaster hmm. um, and this this person now has the ability to to kind of show his his skills um and really make an impact and i think that that's tremendous you know i feel like particularly when you watch crypto twitter people are obsessed with uh or seem, seemingly obsessed with like venture capitalists and and general partners but in reality you know, there's all these other folks that are super talented. They know where things are going. They know where the puck's going. And these DAOs kind of give them a voice and some agency, and uh, I think that's wonderful. You know, the old what well, we can we can give the one story. You know, some folks do try to you know uh, engage in some shenanigans. So we had one member that tried to front run a deal that we were working on inside of Flamingo, and that rubbed people the wrong way. But even then, you know, it was pretty quickly and amicably worked out. Mm. Um, yeah. So, so so, you know, I think, I think we all know this. Like, most people are good. They're decent folks. They're not perfect, but, you know. In it's a general, strong statement, do, but okay. Do good things. Yeah. Maybe I'm not as, uh, not, even though I'm in New York, I'm not that cynical yet. But uh, I feel like DAOs are a really nice, nice way to, um, to kind of channel some of that positive energy uh, cool. that, I, that I, I personally feel.
0: So we, had, we did a get run request. Uh, HDP, do you want to unmute yourself and uh, join us? Hey. Hey. You got me? Yeah, I can hear you.
5: Okay, first of all, thank you guys for uh, hosting this talk and just talking about this. I'm really into DAOs and governance, but in particular, I'll be real brief here. I just have a quick question, just a general question. So um, a lot of in, in, in governance, let's just focus on token weight-based governance. There's a financial aspect to a lot of these tokens, right? They're also capital assets mm-hmm. so, as, as well as being voting tokens. So my question is this. Um, when looking at the question of DAO participation, we actually see that compared to the number of token holders, a lot of larger DAOs have very low participation. And so there's always this quest of how do you incentivize governance, right, or even if you want to. Mm-hmm. So my question is, is it appropriate to incentivize delegation um, through, through a, fi- a financial incentive without the, uh, the the, let's just say, the narrative of the delegation, without that being really shared with with the um the how would you call this person the, de- the person delegating the tokens so they're delegating their tokens through a financial incentive to a pool but what the governance of that pool does is maybe not really revealed or not important to the to the person is this something that-
0: so, so wait are you saying like like a delegate gets paid by the he pays the people who delegate to him but he doesn't tell everyone else that he pays the people who delegates to him is that well, the question? He,
5: he can tell that. Well, no. The question is this: like, there's 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 financial incentives in in the capital aspect of governance tokens. Mm-hmm. For example, Uni has compound where you can gain interest by depositing. Now, is it is it appropriate or what types of comments can be made if somebody creates a financial incentive for mm-hmm. governance tokens and, and then they act as a delegator while in possession or smart contract in possession smart of the of those tokens? to vote. And so the the investor who's looking for the financial return, they don't really know what the voting will be. They just know that the voting power is revoked while they're within the financial incentive, right? Is this something that you know is frowned upon? I'm just I've been kind of trying to gather a consensus of how people feel about this question. I, th-
4: um, I think
2: it's pretty standard because you usually delegate based on like based on some notion of the of the delegate of who you delegate to, right? You know, like, whatever, Andre Kronger will be, you know, like, will be making decisions this way. I mean, you don't know exactly how he will vote on specific things, but, you you know, you kind of align with his way of doing it because whatever, you also have a bunch of money in the the vault, so you delegate to him and then receive your kind of staking rewards from that. Right. So I, I think that's that's generally. I mean, the same as like you, you you delegate your vote in 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 you know when you vote for your government, right? You don't like the the candidate usually has some platform and promises, but like at the end they may completely do something opposite, right? And then right. the the benefit here you can undelegate from them right away versus you know in real life you <laughs> need to wait for right, for, right. for years.
5: I see. So it's it's a common practice, as you know, as you as you mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah. I just saw it as a vector where um, governance could be maligned with the purpose of the DAO if there was too much in financial incentive to give up the delegation, and that the person may not even know that they can vote with the token. They might just be holders. But yeah, this, that's it.
2: Thank I think you. I think this is where the question of tooling comes in. Is like, what does tooling tell you? Like, how how do you get informed about what's going on? Because kind of the, the 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 worse the tooling, the less people bother voting, the less people bother delegating or checking what happened. So,
0: yeah, I think it's yeah. something of an in- intention of how everyone sets up. I mean, I, I don't know if this is spe- this story speaks to what you're asking. I'm, I'm not sure. But like, you know, when EOS started, I mean, EOS is controversial blockchain. You know, one of the m- mistakes I would argue that they made is they didn't sort of spell out really how governance works on EOS, but they were clear sort of what intentions were. And the intentions were, you know, you have these 21 delegators. And they would make a decent amount of money in emissions from the EOS blockchain for for having the delegation work. And they got voted in by EOS holders. And the idea of all of the EOS they were to get was they were supposed to spend that on developing more things for the blockchain. But that's not what happened. What they actually ended up doing is uh, the ones who got voted in just funneled a bunch of the EOS tokens they got back to whoever was voting for them. So they would keep them in place and they could keep you know 1% of the top of that. Um, and that didn't work out well for EOS because they ended up not having any money to like actually build on top of it. But other blockchains have come along and just sort of made that all a little bit more explicit and intentional and still had some kind of treasury to fund development and it's worked out okay. So it isn't like inherently funds getting passed along are a problem. It's just, you've got to like, things have to be transparent and clear and money has to go where it's intended. I, you know, I don't know if that speaks to it, but...
1: I think that's a great point, Brady. And yeah, I think some of this is tooling... But I you know, at a high level, I love to see this type of experimentation. I know Kevin, who I see, is listening, we've chat about this in some separate rooms, but just the the notion of whether or not you should incentivize voting or delegation or you know any other governance uh, using some sort of monetary incentive, I think is a tricky question. And I, I think that kind of roots back to what you were suggesting, Brady, that maybe you know one of the lessons that the EOS team, uh, or we can take from the OS team was uh, either being more express or really thinking through some of those complex mechanics there
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool uh, Okay, uh, oh we've have we have if folks have time we have one more question. So Dave, let's do a super class You're gonna you're gonna close us out. I'm gonna add you a speaker and uh, yeah, what's up, Dave? Always takes a second. Hey, to... uh, hey. Uh,
2: so what about quadratic voting? Awesome
0: you want to say really quickly what quadratic voting is dave i never get it quite right
2: so the idea is that like every vote becomes more expensive linearly uh so that uh people with you know vast amounts of funds it becomes very expensive for them to have an overweight uh, vote uh in a DAO. uh it's something that vitalik buterin uh has outlined on his blog and it's uh it's Um, potentially a way to uh, help decentralize uh, opinion and to be able to uh, gather uh, uh, more of a widespread view as to uh, like the governance uh, uh, decisions. So is
0: is this a right way to say it? If there were 100 tokens in a system and um, 90 of them were held by 90 people who had one each and one guy had 10 in a quadratic system, um, that guy's first token would vote as one, but his 10th token would vote as like a 10th of a token. Is Would that be roughly a quadratic? Ex- yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah. So yeah, what do you guys, you? I mean, Aaron said awesome. Anything more on that?
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I think generally it's a great idea. The problem is always is like, it, pretty much all of this is a question of like civil resistance. Like the, the, the all the search for voting is, is a quest of civil resistance, which, yeah. you know, We've been we've been trying to solve across the space in many ways
0: I and civil like, resistance is just if for folks who maybe don't know is just this idea of not letting uh, One person become a tyrant even for a short period of time by getting a lot of power for a hot second, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: and so like usually the pure token voting is yeah, the worst one because yeah somebody can even just borrow on you know Ave for example compound a ton of token and go in and, and vote for, for one thing Quadratic voting helps, but then, like, it pretty much then goes to the cost of splitting your account into a bunch of smaller accounts and and kind of doing that in parallel. And, and obviously, that's, like, more complicated, but, you know, we have computers to do this work kind of if needed. Um, so it, it's, I think, like, there are better ways where people are, in a way, kind of, like there's a personal element involved, right? Like many of this, like even Moloch DAOs kind of involve a you know, to to be to be a member you need to be kind of added by others and so it it involves a somewhat of like rough consensus of people about new person versus if you're just using kind of token ratings it's always will be like abusable by bots and computers. But in some cases it works if you if you have like a a clear way how to kind of prevent sounds of sibling, like maybe you do a snapshot, maybe you do something else, like, so it's really a question of like specific, I would say example.
0: Cool. All right. Well, I think uh, it's time for us to wrap this up. I want to say thank you to all of our speakers for folks who are listening. Um, This is going to be on the Spacecast podcast tomorrow. If this was the first time you did one of these and you liked the conversation, I've got several more up on that podcast. And there's a bunch of other cool conversations that other folks have led about all kinds of topics on the internet. So uh, it would be cool to have you listen to that. Um, Come back next Tuesday. It's going to be interesting for two reasons. One, we're going to talk about a video game built by built on Bitcoin that Samson Mao is working on. And that's also going to be the day that I have moved apartments and will probably be barely standing. And so that might make me <laughs> even more entertaining. Um, so we'd love to have yeah. you uh, here next Tuesday. And uh, yeah, thank you all for being here. Um, this has been Lightbulb Talks. Thank, thanks a ton to Pre Desai and Aaron Wright of Open Law and Ilya, Ilya Polishukin of um, of uh, NIR. Uh, this, this conversation really has fired up my brain in a lot of ways. So I really appreciate you guys. I feel like it was fun. And for everyone who joined us, thank you for being here as well. Good night. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah,
1: thanks so much, Brady. Good luck with the move.